0: Hey, you to with and <laughs> it's, it's a very yeah. So, Carl, <laughs> 2030, then the 2010, we should have been like
1: 2024 and then the Yeah, they <laughs> Carl, you've
0: been doing incredible that things. I told it should have been this logo. So okay, Carl, we're gonna start it off again. So all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna talk because it seems as if there's a bit of a delay, right? Okay, cool. Carl Johnson will be such a pleasure to have you, bro. 2010 then DC, but we should have just say 2024 20, and DC, because we're still here, aren't we?
1: Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Now, now we have to go back to the drawing board and look at all the vision 2030s and the 20 whatever, so that we can actually get the years right uh, and know could it? I'mma countdown.
0: <laughs> my countdown. So Carl, uh, a lot has been happening since we last talked, last podcast. I think the last time we had a podcast, I think there was a slap that happened, that shook the earth. A lot yes. of things. <laughs> so and then the cat came out the bag. <laughs> oh, we're gonna talk about the cat. Yeah, I mean, a little bit later, we'll <laughs> talk about the cat. But uh, first of all, I think what got, caught my attention was a post you put out. To, to, I mean, first of all, you're like, I'd like to be National House Council uh, uh, director. And I tell anybody who's listening that if there's anybody who decides they want to do something and they end up getting it done, it's normally called Josh bit Why does a post like that <laughs> even interest you?
1: I, I, think, I think over the last uh, couple of years, I've kind of been aligning my activities to the activities that the government is doing. Um, I think maybe it's just a case of uh, understanding like how legislation works and understanding the programs. And so being in the rural tourism space, you then go into cultural assets and so on. And so when this post for National Arts Council director came up, my wife is the one who actually showed me the advert. And I was looking at the marketing bit and I was thinking, no, I wouldn't be effective as the marketing and communications. I think I'd be more effective as the director uh, because of the kind of scope of the things that we're looking at doing. And so, I, I don't know. We, we, just, we just thought, okay, listen, let's make the application. Um, but besides that, our minds are already geared in that frame of mind anyway, regardless of the post, we've been working within this particular sector in that capacity um, anyway. So I, I don't know. It just felt like a good fit.
0: I mean, there's a guy who designed the, the, the what you call it, the, the NAMA the uh, trophy. So it's full circle coming back to you, <laughs> coming to do it, right?
1: Absolutely. Like we we have a running joke at home, which is how many different things do you want to do with National Arts Council? Because I designed the trophy, I directed the awards, I won two of them, I performed there, I emceed. So <laughs> maybe maybe I'm trying to fill up every single like thing on a bucket list. There seems to be an ongoing relationship there. And
0: uh, so so officially, we can say that you've applied for the position.
1: Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. I, I sent in my CV and my um, I'm hereby apply for a job. Yeah,
0: did you Did you write the I beg to apply and then put those things, you know? <laughs> I
1: beg Ex- exactly. I put some English in there and and I was like, uh, you know, you know, the the instinct to write some jokes inside there was very very high. But I I thought, listen, listen, serious post, serious thing.
0: So that mean. Does that mean you, you won't tell any jokes at anything? You'll be like the serious person if you got that job.
1: Well, if I got that job, surely the meetings are going to be a bit entertaining. Um, certainly, I, I think I'd, I like to keep it lively at work, like to keep, you know, everything a bit uh, loose and, uh, you know, try to stimulate uh, people. But I, I believe there's an equal amount of disruption versus uh, traditional that we kind of need to look at, you know, if this happens.
0: Okay, cool. So, what I want to do first of all is to go through through your ten point strategy, and it's quite it's quite extensive. Um, we'll talk about something else that you mentioned on your post, like the caveat that you got to understand, and we'll discuss that a little bit later. But I mean, you, yeah. you, we're going to go through point by point. There is a thing that I, I've never right. ever thought about called the entertainment bank. Can you tell us why right. that is a should be a thing, and how would it work, and why why an entertainment bank
1: well uh, largely the art sector is largely unmeasured and when i say unmeasured i'm talking about the amounts of revenues that are being that are going back and forth between artists promoters uh, sponsorships ticket sales uh, record sales uh you know um, royalties all of those things those are all transactions that are currently happening but i think rather than being at the behest of other banks I believe that the artists actually have the capability, the strength, the size, the numbers to be able to have a bank specifically uh, developed for them or by them uh, to handle whether it's going to be the revenues or like one of the talking points on there, I think it's point number 10, where we're talking about the three ticket system. So imagine if we're going to take, the revenues from your first three tickets of any show that you're doing or first record sales or first books or whatever it is and we're putting it into a fund for you and investing it or uh, it's going to be loaned out or it's going to be uh, put into other programs or other investments Um, i do believe there's a huge scope for that kind of uh, bank to be set up imagine that being a savings club or stock fell of just all of the artists in the art sector will be quite immense and quite huge. Artists have the capability of being brought together with the right kind of bankers to set this thing up of a place like the National Arts Council. Because, I mean, when you really think about it,
0: artists are normally self-funded. These are, you know, making their own money. Most of the time, they don't have any... It's not like in other countries where there's a big record label... And we can argue over whether which 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 model is better. And if you look at it, thinking about it, if you look at a pension fund, if you look at the first three tickets, of your show, if you have five shows a month and your ticket is ten dollars each, that's 150 bucks being set aside for later. That is a significant amount of money that is being put aside. And I can clearly, I can say straight off the bat that many people are not. Setting that amount of money for the future because they're not earning that amount of money. But going back to your to 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 that aspect of the entertainment bank, the often the the the, the issue that is can that uh, that many people talk about is that why not just work in a system of unionized people? People pay subscriptions, and then they are represented in as far as those interests by. The, you know, the unions because one of the things that people are saying that artists are not united to be uni- to, to be unionized.
1: Yeah, I I think the issue um, at the end of the day is that when you come in and you're the National Arts Council, let's look at it this way. Um, rather than regulate, I think the issue is to uh, uh, is to consolidate and to bring everything, like really resource it to make sure that these things happen. A lot of these discussions have been happening over the years. Uh, Obviously, I have been involved in a lot of arts administration throughout my life and understanding the difference between the performance aspect and the admin aspect. And I really do believe that the National Arts Council has already been playing a role, but I think now there kind of needs to be a private sector approach coming into the administration space of saying, okay, here's the other side of the coin. This is the language that we should be using. This is how we can bring people together this is how we should be sitting to discuss um, the different aspects, like what you're saying, the unions and so on. Um, the models that are going to be employed are obviously going to happen through dialogue, but you obviously also kind of need this kind of lead from the front, make things happen, uh, utilize the right channels to make sure that these things come to the to the forefront. So I really do believe that I'm, I'm ideally placed, uh, because of the kind of work that I do, Uh, to bring people to the table because of my multi-sectoral sort of uh, work I've done, being a comedian, a chef, and so many different uh, things. I I can sort of understand the language of these different disciplines and bring them together to discuss kind of a unified approach and business model that is going to entice everybody to say, okay, listen, it's not just the government that needs to be lobbied. I think also the practitioners need to be lobbied to come to the table uh, to discuss things from that perspective and get things going.
0: Then you talk about the Immobility Fund. Uh, Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so I I really do believe that um, a lot of the government departments already have had the budgets and, you know, we send our officials, um, you know, to so many different uh, countries. The president also travels and so on. But I also just think there needs to be uh, almost like uh, the way that the business community sort of also goes uh, with the president and sort of, uh, you know, uh, different departments to these expos and so on, that the art sector can actually put in a provision to say, listen, for every single delegation that's going out the country, we're going to rotate a number of different artists that are going to be sent out to different countries, knowing whatever it is that they want to be doing in terms of the deals and so on. Um, there's already the NGO sector that puts money into mobility and so on. And we're just talking about accumulating all of this wealth of information that we know, private sector funding, um, uh, you know, c- civic society, the you know, NGOs, the government, and putting it all together and saying, listen, here's a fund that's dedicated to, say, sending 10 artists... Um, outside the country because what we're looking at is exports let's look at zimbabwe more as the village we want to send people outside to start earning money that actually brings more investment back into our country grows uh the art sector and actually contributes meaningfully to the gdp so i definitely believe in the exporting of artists rather than just keeping them in zimbabwe
0: the question somebody asked is who pays for that and who decides and how is it decided because then the, the the that comes up again often. The artists will be like, "Why is that person going?" And you you have seen it around the art sector, like yeah. I, yeah. I N, a Uyo. Why not this guy? And why is this guy <laughs> going? And so, who's paying for it? How do you how do you decide who's who who's going to uh, you know um, go on trips? You put the
1: Yeah, I, I think the issue. To be honest with you, I like to look at things from. Where do we want to go? So, for example, if we want to turn the art sector into a $6 billion industry, as as an example, um, let's look at the $6 billion. Let's break it up into small chunks. How many artists do we have? What are the disciplines? What are the, what are the big revenue earners? What is happening? One of the uh, aspects that's there, for example, we don't have a commission that assesses, um, let's say, agreements that happen between uh, sponsors and artists. And so artists sometimes get shafted on very bad deals and there's very little sort of representation. You could have like almost like a public defender or a lawyer who's there, who's representing all of the deals that the artists are getting into. The issue is about making the art sector make more money, and then revenue collection then makes it easier for us to be able to sustain a budget, to be able to do the things that we're doing. So if we start from what we're trying to earn and enable that, rather than like stand in the way of artists by saying, listen, you must register, you must do this, you must do that, let's have a route to registration, a route to compliance, a route to measurement, and then actually understand exactly how we can collect uh, said revenues because of the concessions that we're putting in place or the business models that we're putting in place. Remember, again, that we already understand being artists, like you said. We understand how we are earning money already. I already know how to monetize a lot of the things that, are, that artists are doing. So kind of look at me as being the national consultant of the artists to say, listen, here's how you can make more money and we want a certain percentage of that money to be able to do the activities to allow you to make more money. So that's the approach that we're trying to take is more of a business approach of looking at how can we increase revenues and add value to the artists so that the artists don't have a problem actually putting the money back into the activities we're doing for them.
0: The next couple of points I want to put together because I think they're quite related to each other. Not that they're the same thing, but I think we can discuss them within the same context. The annual residencies, uh, the the National Arts Hubs, uh, Arts Conference and Expo. So others would be like, okay, look, there are private sector players that are getting involved in the annual residencies. They even say maybe the galleries have got residencies, some of them related to the government and they say, why not leave that to them? So that there are already places that have hubs that are that are already existing. Why not just support those hubs and enable them and not bite into their space, so to speak? And when you say arts conference and yeah. expos and so forth, somebody would say, you know, there are a couple of arts expos that happened last year. So, the, what is the difference in in terms of what do you think it offer? or what you're suggesting as part of a strategy, uh, and how would it work in, in the grand scheme of things?
1: Yeah, so uh, again, it's not about reinventing the wheel. Um, I, I, I guess coming from the private sector, I'm bringing in a lot of initiatives that even I have started uh, in the private sector, but I believe that would be better coordinated by an institution such as National Arts Council. For example, um, I don't believe that the National Arts Council, even its building itself, should be one that is not a hub. It should be a hub. It should be like the National Art Gallery where people can come and see exhibitions and so on. It's a place where artists can come and work, co-working spaces, incubate um, um, artist projects, um, actually have places where artists can stay in residence that are coming from abroad and so on, rather than be this uh, detached office from the art sector. In fact, to be in the in the community itself so that you're constantly interacting with the constituents so that they know on a daily basis that, listen, um, they can easily come and talk to the director about something that they are doing. Or will actually just bump into an artist that happens to be coming from another country. Uh, one example that I'll give is that artists, uh, because I come from, I live in Victoria Falls, so um, a lot of artists come in specifically for a gig but they, what they don't actually understand is that if they stayed in Victoria Falls for 30 days, they would actually get a lot more gigs, kind of like a residency in Vegas. So what we're doing is not actually creating the spaces, but creating the dialogue, the conversation, and actually working with the various players and saying, listen, there is a place that's called River Brewery or there's a place called, uh, you know, uh, uh, Big Falls South Lodge, and negotiating on the behalf of artists and saying, listen, can we place one artist in residency for, for 30 days? We vouch for this artist here, their accolades and so on, and have these discussions happen in the background, and then facilitate for the artist to, to be there to earn the, the necessary revenues. Or in the context of bringing artists from abroad, is just keeping that database of artists so that we know the artists on the ground. Remember, I've done two TED Talks, so within the network of uh, the TED sort of conferences and so on, there's a lot of wealth of knowledge that I want to bring in, but as an individual player, I do not have the capacity to implement. But as National Arts Council, I do know that there's a lot of different people in the industry that I could easily activate with the right knowledge, with the right backing, uh, with the right sort of endorsement to make sure that they can achieve some of these things that I've put on this list.
0: You know, when you just mentioned the TED Talks, I'm just thinking, how come we don't have so many artists from Zimbabwe in a TED Talk? Imagine Jaapraza, or even his manager, uh, Keen, or imagine a TED talk from um, from Rocky t- telling us about the early days of urban groups. I mean, maybe you might not call it TED in Zimbabwe, but I'm in an expo where these artists come and tell you what actually happened because there's so much speculation. And, you know, whether it's Rocky talking about his own reinvention, whether we're talking about, um, what's the name? Um... The the, the 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 painter she, I forgot her name she just sold a painting for close to 300,000 in pounds like you know just to explain how that kind of world works or it, it, I, so I could see the, the, the conversation that can be had about around get, getting some of these people within the same room in the form of an expo the next one I want to talk about is something right. that I got excited when I saw it Annual ambassador <laughs> training.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. I, tre- I, I think um, one, one of the things that I've always, um, in, in my conversations with the different government departments or the regulatory bodies, I've often had this conversation to say, listen, we have been performing outside the country so many times. We've been to so many countries. We are in certain rooms. We perform whether it's invited by other presidents to other countries. And yet there isn't something in Zimbabwe that is just training artists on what happens when you are in another country, how to enhance what you're doing for the country. You're not just there playing guitars. You are, you are there playing guitars maybe for someone who wants to invest in mining and how do we equip you with the right kind of information to know what our foreign policy is, to know what our allocations of uh, what our special uh, economic zones are, um, what what is happening in terms of um, economically in Zimbabwe, the right information being given to the people that are traveling outside the country, just to make sure that in the event that they ask questions, that they actually have the right answers, rather than for them to come from a position of maybe what they read on social media. And you have seen a lot of artists maybe even give out incorrect information about what's happening uh, in the country. And I do believe that there's a certain need uh, to sort of enhance what's happening outside the country. Or even just saying that, listen, uh, of the tours that you're doing in the different countries, just let us know. We can partner with people like ZTA. uh, Make sure that we've got the right pamphlets and brochures in terms of tourism or information from Zimtrade. Uh, going with the, with the artists, not at the artist's cost, but actually trying to make sure that, you know, wherever it is that they're performing. Imagine Mokumba performing at, the show, at Apollo, and there's just a ZTA desk that's sitting there actually selling uh, tourism uh, with Zimbabwe. Those are the kind of things that we're talking about, trying to make sure that we are consolidating and speaking with one voice and just having a multi-sectoral approach uh, to, to how we train each other, Especially for people who are going to be deployed uh, outside the country, whether they're doing it on their own or it's being sponsored, or, um, or or it's something that's actually coming from a tour that's being sponsored by the National Arts Council itself.
0: I know uh, this isn't related to the arts, but I was out in um, in Namibia for the cricket when Zimbabwe played there. The ill-fated tour, cricket. Oh, I don't want to talk about that, but. <laughs> I remember uh, being there, and the ambassador uh, to the Namibia, Melody. Uh, oh, I think she's going to kick me for not remembering yeah, her surname. But she's she she was there at the games and in situ, and I just thought about it. That imagine if a larger coterie of people had travelled, whether it's you know from a from a tourism perspective, a I I wish I'd carried some things to give people there and, and you know it, it, there was a lot more thought beyond the cricket itself but to be okay when I get there how do I represent Zimbabwe I know what I do most of the time is that uh, I remember when I went to a to Eswatini every single day I was going to um to do something in as far as work was concerned I was doing a podcast training there with the uh, wonderful guys from uh sound lab with the antidote culture they're doing amazing things um what I, every single day i had something that was that had zimbabwe on it whether it was a cap with the zimbabwe flag there was a design that i got from winco brands shout out to leanne bernard um she you know i had a shirt that's got zimbabwe but if i then i have that jersey which has got the zimbabwe what you call it colors on it and so forth it's what is it wow why are you always wearing Zimbabwe? Like, well, how are people gonna know that I'm from Zimbabwe? And how are people gonna know that there's a right. representative from Zimbabwe? So I get exactly what you mean. And even going in as far as that, a simple thing, like if you go and look at my passport, where it says Um Job title, it say it's written I was gonna put an artist back in the day, but Oliver Mtukuzi is like, no. You gotta put it what you are, Larry. You are a writer, and and his explanation was very simple. He said so that whenever you cross the border and you go somewhere, they must know a Zimbabwean writer passed through that border or went into that country. Whether when they look at the statistics, that it wasn't just a random uh, artist. So I get the I get the, the aspect of the ambassadorial role. The last thing I want to talk about is. Uh, the biggest one because ever since Book Cafe Jazz 105 remember back in the day I mean Jazz one, uh, Book Cafe was where you spent a lot of your time um, yeah. g- g- creating so much co- uh, products one of them being the big announcement that, that you know kicked off your comedy career in earnest but facilities upgrades yeah. so in some instances somebody says that beyond facilities upgrade the question is facilities existence because the number of stages in Harare just, have just reduced remarkably. And this is not just Harare.
1: Right. And, and think about it this way. I, I, I get that in Zimbabwe, we're, we're very big on regulation. But I think in a lot of ways, we don't really think of how can we add value um, to the various uh, players. So, for example, when you're talking about compliance, what is the benefit of me registering as an official venue? you know what what are the advantages that i'm i'm actually going to uh, get from from this and i think we kind of need to relook at that model and say for example we can have approved uh, approved places because remember if you have unionized artists um, that means that you are stabilizing the actual rates or the amounts that the artists are being paid when you have venues you are also going to be stabilizing the way that the artists are actually being treated or performing at the venues or the kind of deals that they can get into in the in the venues or how the venues can be incentivized for the type of art that they're holding. So, for example, if we notice that poetry is going down, in spoken word is going down in a slump, then we should be looking at the types of venues that we can incentivize to say, listen, uh, if you do stuff like your poetry nights and so on, what are going to be the incentives? What are the things that you'll be able to, uh, that we can lobby for you on your behalf in terms of like what you can bring in, uh, duty-free and that kind of thing? Because remember, it's one of those things that was, Put into place by National Arts Council that artists could actually bring in their equipment duty free. Now, apart from that, there's other things that we can also start looking at where we can actually upgrade uh, facilities to the levels that we want to. Remember, already there's already tax regimes or in terms of uh, duty free uh, implements for things that are uh, places that are in the tourism sector to import things. Um, uh, duty free for example, if they 're in the tourism sector, and you should be able to do that if you're working with artists so what i'm all i 'm saying is that we should be lobbying and looking at certain things like our you know our importation and that kind of thing to see how how much more value can we add uh, to to venues and put in place that uh, governments or pension funds and so on can actually build more venues that can be used for specific purposes, festivals and so on uh, but making sure again like I said. We're not reinventing the wheel. It's just enabling those that are struggling to get these ideas across and trying to make sure that they've got the right voice within the right office to make sure that these things become a reality. I actually believe that the work is already being done. The issue is about nudging people into the right areas. And I I really do believe with all of the experience that I've had so far, I really do know quite a bit uh, in terms of um, things that the government may not be aware of. Uh, from an arts uh, perspective, um, it's not to say that, uh, I have to do everything. I do believe that a lot more people can be brought together. There's a lot of fringe voices that have been left, uh, especially we're talking about from a content perspective. Um, like let's look at an example of the work that you have done, um, you know, from a media perspective. How can that actually be in, enhanced? How, how many, um, different platforms should we actually have zero rated, uh, by the, you know, by the ISPs to make sure that there's bundles that are made specifically for the consumption of content in Zimbabwe, rather than to charge them at the normal, nominal data rate.
0: So, Carl, there's so many ideas there. I, I, You've mentioned aspects. There's so many aspects there. There's so many we can go through, but the big caveat is. You mentioned on your post that they require a degree, and this is something I think. (laughs) I think many people look at it like, oh, I mean, one of our friends, Kodam Sasiwa, he's built an AI platform. He's produced multi award winning albums. If you look, he's got a business that does fresh, you know, fresh. uh, uh, he's, He's run a farm essentially. Uh, yes, okay. his right, right. farm, he, his wife has done a lot of work in as far as understanding, he, uh, you know, agriculture and so forth. But ultimately, he's been able to do all these things without so needing to go and have a special degree for that and come back and do it. Is 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 it time for a, a larger conversation to be had in Zimbabwe around the importance of degrees in as far as capabilities concerned? This is not to say. People shouldn't go and get degrees. Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing is that, you know, when I think of the concept of of degrees as a as a way to 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 to, to get yourself up the ladder, it's it's a it's a uniquely American thing that has been exported to the rest of the world. Where it was that's why the commercialization of the degree, the degree became so expensive, because its particular function was. If you get an MBA, then you become this, if you get a, you know, this particular degree, or you could work in a company and become the most skilled person, but they tell you, you have to get this degree in order to get this particular position. So you might even be the most talented person, but not necessarily the person who ends up getting the job. Is it too early in Zimbabwe to have the discussion, or is it a case of, you know, it's, it's gotta be a case by case basis?
1: yeah so so, um, what I wanted to say, um, in terms of education and the degree conversation I, I believe I believe in the hierarchy of education, I believe in the hierarchy of experience, and I believe in the hierarchy of talent. Now, education is measured by you going to school and uh, you passing certain exams and so on. And uh, experience is also kind of documented in terms of uh, references and that kind of thing. And what excites me about the possibility of this National Arts Council thing is that it allows us to be able to set up the framework to really actually register and quantify the work that is being done in the sector. So, for example... What the, it, it is the, it is the, uh, what you call it, the objective of say National Arts Council to make sure for that Larry Quirierai's work within media is recognized and recognized in qualification levels. The same way that in Boy Scouts we will give you badges, uh, the same thing needs to happen. So it's not so much that we, we then just wait and say, well, you're just talented and, and and you can tell us how talented you are. I believe as a body like National Arts Council, we must recognize it. Not in awards only, but there must be certifications that we can give. Surely, there's ways that we can measure all of these things. So that when it comes to the point when we're talking about whether or not Carl Joshua Nguve is eligible to apply for a position for National Arts Council, they can take into consideration the fact that Yes, he is recognized because from an advertising perspective, from the work that he's done in, in this particular regard, uh, where he worked within comedy, the tours that he's done, and all of those things, there has to be a point of me- measurement. And I feel that technology can be used quite a bit. So I, I really believe in the registration of artists, that they can be put on the website, that, they can, you know, that we can put their accolades and so on, so that we make sure that we've got the most accurate database of who's who and what they've done. So that we're not waiting for awards in order to know because, okay, fine. So you've given an award for best writer. What are you saying about the other 300 writers? Are you saying that they don't write? And that's the the argument that I'm making is that we, we have gotten to a point where degrees can be recognized but talent can't be recognized or experienced simply because as bodies, we are not recognizing it uh, as a form of registration. So rather than say that you must register by paying a certain amount, we must put the onus on us to put the digital platforms, make it easy for people to put up their information and then verify it using our various offices and so on to make sure that people are certified at the various levels. So we know that when we're talking to an entry level artist versus an experienced artist, who exactly we're dealing with uh, at each point
0: but uh, some would argue that like for example in you know the some people may be talented at certain things but they're not skilled so skilled as yeah. possible administrators and so forth so maybe yeah, it, it, you know you might give it to the position of say a uh, a bachelor's degree in arts but there's so much more right. that is taught within a bachelor's degree in the arts than just the art itself so How do you circumvent that uh, with the the discipline aspect?
1: Yeah. So I, I think at the end of the day, just like any other bodies, we... We're supposed to certify. We really are supposed to certify. It's just like how many published items of work do you have. Uh, This is the reason behind things like the conferences or the festivals and so on, uh, or the reviews, uh, because that's why you have stuff like IMDB uh, at the moment, because the the film directors, their accolades and so on, all of that is is written and their body of work is actually uh, rated and, and so on. It may not be the most perfect thing. But I think there needs to be a start to that conversation by actually digitally uh, recording and registering and making sure um, that those skills are rec- rec- recognized. So even if at a National Arts Council there has to be like a body that just sits uh, the same way that they do when you're doing uh, karate, um, to know what kind of belt are you by simply measuring the certain um, uh, metrics that are used and then you can just get your certifications uh it happens in music already where people know what level guitarist you are and so on because of the different um uh certifications that are put in place and i believe those are the conversations that we need to put in place to say like in music guys what are the things that we need to measure and then what are the bodies that will measure it and who are the people who need to do it and how much is it going to cost for that to be put in place those are the conversations we should have
0: that's fascinating. I, I, I guess this is a long conversation because I've been even in the United States. Some of the big companies in the tech field are saying, look, we're not looking at the degrees anymore. We're looking at skill set and skill sets, especially with the advent of AI. And some of these things that people have been yeah. studying at university are falling away. So you want somebody who's able to, to learn, to be able to iterate in as far as their thinking is concerned. But I'll say, Carl, if you get the job, just please bring back Haifa. <laughs>
1: Yes, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> they, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I think to, to be honest with you, there's a lot of things that we've lost in the in the wayside, and I, I, I think one of the big things that I, that is important to me is that I believe there's some things that should be too big to fail and we shouldn't be we shouldn't be found in a situation where something exists that is big and then it disappears. There has to be frameworks that are there to sort of guard because um, the things like Haifa and have become kind of like tourist attractions, and they were actually bringing in uh, a certain uh, influx of of people because of their existence and so there just needs to be a very deep hard look into how to preserve. Uh, those things. We don't want to wake up and find out there's no Victoria Falls, which is the reason why we put the national parks and so on, and we have environmental protection laws and uh, you know UNESCO and and all of those things. We need to be doing the same thing with the artist spaces to make sure that listen. How do we graduate our our arts uh, facilities to the levels that they become almost too big to fail, or even if it's a venue that there are orders that are put on the buildings to say if it's a cinema, it can only be replaced by a cinema. It cannot go from a cinema to becoming a church for example it cannot go from a bar uh to become a school that we actually preserve some of these uh, uh things and make sure that there is some kind of continuity or historical you know because we can't just leave it to chance
0: dude uh you know when you just talked about that i just remember being upstairs at book cafe in the mannenberg there and you know the the beauty of that environment was you could be sitting in the corner there. shangube has got his, uh, his 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 printer. Yeah. <laughs> his whole office is right there.
1: Exactly, his and whole
0: desktop machine
1: sitting on the table.
0: <laughs> totally, and you're calling um, the waiter and giving you lunch. In walks All of them, to Kuzi. He goes and sits there and has his meeting. Chionezumara and walks in and she sits by the bar having a glass of wine. And you know, Victor Kunonga comes in carrying his, his his guitar. Comes and says hi to everybody. Walks out. And in amongst that, there's some young budding.
1: There's artists. a cypher. There's a cypher happening in the in the it, car park in, in the, the back. Park. Right? I mean,
0: this was like a normal day. It wasn't sort of like no, this there's something hectic that's going on. This is like a, a random Tuesday. So you know, that, right. that, that that's a fire town type of atmosphere. And and just finishing off that, I think also some of these places speaks to the idea of hubs where book cafe became a hub in that it allowed people to perform and hone their skills because as much as the music has, has spread because thanks to digital and so forth the the quality of stage performances you see nowadays are not as great as yeah. the people who are honed in back that you can see the likes of um you know hope uh, My and you know you right. know a Joe once performed a the cafe Silent Noor.
1: Silent Noah Silent was just a, a kid from from Prince Edward Yeah from you know and, and and just used to come and hang out and then like you know look at him now and those kind of things and it's, it's very correct like the issue is to be able to understand for example uh, I I guess being a chef I understand a lot of stuff according to recipes so the issue is to understand what are the recipes that have made Zimbabwean art successful once we have understood the recipes we can continue to bake the same sort of, uh, you know, using different ingredients and make a, 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 chocolate, a chocolate cake or a strawberry cake and so on. And I, I believe the job of National Arts Council is to keep the recipes so that people actually understand and know, okay, so, you know, we had uh, Tuku. Is there anybody working on the biography for Tuku? If there isn't, we know all the writers. We can sit down with the family and make sure that the books are written. And we're not just talking about writing the books from a controversy perspective, but we're talking about from the practitioner bit to say how did he start his career, where was he, his first gigs, uh, where was his first international break, how, how were his bookings, what were the contract negotiations. This is the information that a body like National Arts Council should be sitting and documenting and just making sure, listen, we've got a library of textbooks of how to become like a tuku or a raiser and so on. At our expos, this is the reason why we have Winky D giving a pre- presentation. We've got Vols JT giving a presentation because we actually want to document all this information for future artists to understand exactly how the sector can be built. And the issue is, again, like I said, it's nothing to do with Cal doing anything. This is actually just utilizing what's already there, but bringing it together in the right kind of ways, like putting the right recipes together to make sure that we've got uh, the best outcomes.
0: And then, uh, speaking of recipes, you just talked about cooking and so forth. Yep. Somebody was cooking recently. It was Cat Williams.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's that time of the year. Sure. Yo.
0: You know, yeah. you, I'll tell you my experience yeah. of watching that. So, it comes out. Yeah. I'm seeing clip a clip. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm on X, formerly known as Twitter. I'm still going to call it Twitter. Sorry, Elon Musk. You, you know, uh, but... I'm sitting there and they're saying Cat Williams. And I see he's. first of all, I saw him trending. I'm like, no, Cat Williams, what happened yeah. to Cat Williams? Uh, don't tell me Cat Williams is dead. <laughs> you know, when, <laughs> when you trend on Twitter, it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So then uh, next thing I go and I see a clip, there's an interview with Shay Shay. So I'm like, huh, you know what? Lead me, while I'm doing some other work, I'm in, I'm in the middle of a residency where I'm doing some research some interesting, exciting research on the kingdom of Zimbabwe and the kingdom of Butwa. some of their, you know, Butwa is the Torah state, as you call it. So well, some of their Correct. customs, they carry from one to the other. It's exciting. You're going to see a lot of TikTok videos. Exciting. It's going to be fun. Okay. Um, but right I'm sitting there and I'm trying to read my research and I was like, okay, while I am um, typing out, you know, the citations, let me check out, you know, making some notes and stuff like that. Let me check out the, this thing in the background. So I put it on my TV and I'm watching it. It's on YouTube. I watch the first 10 minutes. So my desk is a, is just a few meters away from the couch. So I'm watching right. it. And then the next thing I just stand up. I go and sit on the couch. And then I pause. So because I'm on a detox, I will, I'm, drinking a lot. <laughs> I'm drinking a lot of tea these days. Right. I go yeah. and I and I and I make myself a cup right, of tea right. and I come back and I'm like, I'm a l let's 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 sip to this. I'm watching this. I thought because it's two hours and forty something minutes long. I thought maybe I'll watch thirty minutes today and now thirty minutes tomorrow and then maybe finish in a couple of days. <laughs> Dude I went to sleep at right. like four in you the morning there's <laughs> like, some places you gotta stop and then you gotta rewind like what did he say like yeah. one of my favorite unpack
1: it a little bit right
0: unpack it because i mean the thing that i'll say and i'll let you weigh in on this because i mean i'd love you to weigh in on this because you, you you're a comedian a great comedian who i respect a lot something I read from Lisa Marie Williams, she wrote, Cat Williams owns all the rights to his comedy tours. It's been said that he pays other comedians 300,000 plus to tour with him. He has uh, 19 comedy specials, okay? Has appeared in over 30 movies. He's randomly had women, and he talked about this, deliver thousands of dollars in tips to comedians whose comedy and work ethic he appreciates. And their comedians have come out after that saying that, oh, actually, this is the truth. I went... And I performed somewhere, and I was expecting seven hundred dollars. And then this woman comes and just say, gives, shakes my hand, and I was like, you know, I'm not going to look at this. And then here that I open, and it's like ah, two thousand five hundred. And then the guy says, this woman gives him a, a, a piece of paper with, a, with in the with an envelope. He thinks I've got a number. Goes checks out later. It's a couple of thousand dollars in it. And he had done his performance, and they would agreed how much money he's going to perform. Also this. Because I then went and checked how many kids does uh, does, does Cat Williams have. And I was like, he has adopted and raised seven children, right? Right. So he's got his one kid yeah. of his own, and he's a, he's adopted and raised seven other children, which is a major accomplishment. He's yeah. also the son of a former member of the Black Panther Party. So that last part, former, he's a son of of a former member of the Black Panther Party. I was like, that's why he's not scared.
1: <laughs> right yeah
0: yeah i mean he's gonna uh, say what he's gonna say you
1: know yeah I, i i and you know i i think it's a it's a bit weird uh for me because i'm in the you know i'm in the industry and also having performed internationally a bit right i know a lot of the fringe comics like like the guys who maybe someone made it a little bit and they they, they didn't and, you know, things are not, uh, you know, do you get what I'm saying? There's quite a lot of information behind the scenes about comedy. And and here's my perspective on it. And I'll sort of follow on from what uh, eric Spears' response was. Um, there must have been something that's gone horribly wrong, right? Um, in the sense that, how the industry the art sector is set up is the way that it's set up whatever whatever theories you want to give whether you're like illuminati or there's people controlling it or whatever it is the truth of the matter is six media companies control all media in the world right and so there is a certain amount of control because there's a certain amount of investment money is thrown down they kind of hope that they're going to recover their money from x number of people and so you know uh, let's say for example i know in comedy central came to africa they they said who's who right who's who? Who, who who do we work with right so you you will know some of the talented but more troublesome comics didn't quite get the comedy central uh, gigs the guys who play nice not so not as funny as the other guys but they're also like really funny guys that got that got the big gigs right and these are things that we know to be true in the sector what, what I couldn't understand is what the motivation was of the interview um, in the sense that I watched it because I wanted to know, like, what, what, what was on promotion? What, like, was it the interview? You know, like we're talking right now, it's based off of the post that I was making about the job with Na- National Arts Council, right? I, like, I, I wouldn't just ordinarily just wake up and then just, hey, Larry, let's talk and then rant uh, about people unless there was something at the end of it, They'd, like something happened. Because we're, we're talking about a lot of old stuff, and Cat Williams has done this many times anyway, um, so it was kind of expected um, in the other interviews because he was trying to promote something else, and then that issue was brought up. Let's say they'll bring up the Cedric the Entertainer thing, and the, you know that kind of... But what I just found very disheartening is that the entire interview only pulled down the black community of comics and didn't touch anything white. And and for me, it was really sad as a movement um, because in as much as sometimes I might know that a lot of my brothers are doing, there's a lot of shady stuff that's happening in the, you know, in a sector. I, I have a bigger objective where I say, I want us to all succeed and move forward. And so when I when I kill everything, uh, I I don't know if he if he did a I, I felt like it was a big disservice. So in the in the interview there are a lot of truths in there, a lot of huge truths. Uh, in fact, I would say a large percentage of truths. But man, he threw in a lot of pork pies in that situation as well, right? Um, that I I I couldn't even understand what the motivation was. Like you're saying, what Ludacris is? Ludacris was called by the Illuminati and he's given this deal. What were you also doing there? It's not like if the Illuminati exists, they, they don't just call people randomly off the street. You have to have signed up <laughs> to be in the situation. Um, so what are you saying? Are you saying that you've played that game? Or are you complicit? Are you, are you, you know? And, and, and then to, to go after people's wives and to go up, like, I, I just felt like there were a lot of things that he brought up that were really, I think, important to discuss from an industry perspective, the joke stealing and so on. But a lot of the other stuff, I just whoa, man, it, it was a lot. I'm still trying to unpack it and trying to figure out because uh, I remember a similar in- instance happened. Uh, I'm sure you remember, uh, Larry. Um, is that a lot of us in the industry got together and we had uh, we had formed a collective, and we were going to push a specific agenda across our our work, you know, like as in uh, to promote each other, to back each other up, and so on. But then there was a camp that developed that then came up with conspiracies about how we were doing it. Uh, even though it was just us coming with our collective strengths and saying, listen, we have platforms, let's grow. Uh, other people saw it a different way. And it, it wouldn't matter. Whatever it is that they said out in public, there's no way that you could defend yourself because firstly, it's not true, uh, the way that they're saying it, and and number two, what, what has happened for you to do that? Like, what what is the objective? So, I think in my mind I'm still trying to figure out what the objective is. But in in, in as much as chiming in on on what's happened with uh, with Cat, um, I I really really honestly wished there was a lot more to it than just maybe rubbishing people. Considering, imagine all of the nice things that you said about Cat, and believe me, there's a span of good stuff. But so unfortunate that. It, 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 you know, I, I I wish we could have talked about it. Do, do you know what I mean? Like that that was kind of at the tail end of, of most of what you were saying. I I That was just my thought.
0: But then the question to ask is, and I think it goes back to something that you said earlier. And it's not just Cat Williams has complained about it. A lot of other artists, I mean, even Kanye West has complained about it. And Kanye West is like, oh, you're going a bit crazy. But there is... Someone will say, okay, look, there's a tendency for when especially black people speak out about things that they're uncomfortable about, it's seen as if they've gone a bit crazy. So um, yeah. there, there's some things that are extreme that Kanye has said, but Dave Chappelle, it happened to, with him in back in the when he left the Chappelle show, and he said some of the things that Cat Williams has said. And you talked about yeah. and even named people and said, look, you know, I had to. They asked me to wear a dress, and I said, I don't don't want to wear a dress. And they said, oh, the grace of what a dress? And when you look at it, there's that pattern and so forth. I mean, the the problem, isn't the problem, I think should be a question rather, that a lot of these things have been said repeatedly by multiple people. But instead of talking about that, like why is it that there is a supposed, whether it's a conspiratorial from a conspiratorial point of view, an a, a supposed emasculation of black men when they want to get, and that's how they end up going to the next level in terms of movies and so forth, uh, as opposed to other other uh, performers. I mean, one will argue that there are white actors who've dressed in missed outfire, for example, but it's it's being it's seen a lot within the black community, and some of them will say, "Okay, look, yeah. why don't?" The question and around why didn't he attack the the other community? He was like, okay, I'm speaking for the community that I'm from, and saying, look, yeah, this is where we are. I mean, I'm not. I, this is not going to affect whether I watch Family Feud or whether I watch uh, Cat Williams' next <laughs> special or not. I'm still going to watch them because yeah. they're all very different people. But the the question becomes. Does it become like the African thing? It's almost like an African thing. Like, let's not talk about it. He, and why is he talking yeah. about it? And and why isn't he talking about the other people? Because they also they might also be doing the same thing. Why not? The I'm, I'm, this is not a question. I'm, I'm I'm asking you to confront in terms of yeah. you should be yeah, the yeah. one who fixes all the situation. But isn't there sort of like sometimes in black men or black women Taraji P Henson right now? talking about how she isn't getting paid enough. Monique talked about it a couple of years ago and saying that me as a yeah. as 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 a black woman, Amy Schumer got the deal and but I was making more money with my movies, but she got she got a deal and she talked about not getting support and even the black community came after her and says, well, oh, you going to close opportunities for us because there's so few people that own run this industry, so you're going to close opportunities for us?" And she's like, "No," I can't go in and get that little money and think it's okay. And then that ends up in a situation where these artists get blackballed because they're seen as an exception to the rule because they're quoted as problematic. I remember someone saying to me years ago, because I I refused to jump onto some bandwagon. Yeah, where you had to start writing derogatory stuff about Zimbabwe. And so... So, I mean, I, I put a lot in there, but I, I think the fundamental thing is while we don't know objective and sometimes maybe the objective of the person may not be the best, should it also, should it stop us from discussing some of the very important issues that he brought up?
1: Yeah. So, so for example, I, I, I believe, I believe a hundred percent that this stuff needs to be discussed, but like I, I came back to my first assertion: something must have happened. Because I think there's a lot of, like, it's different when we're all complicit with something. And then one of us decides, okay, I don't want to do it. And then, like, you know, and then you mention a bunch of things. So, for example, it's also highly inaccurate to say that Hollywood makes you wear a dress to be successful. Because a lot of successful comedians wore a dress actually at the tail end of their careers. So, for example, Eddie Murphy had already established himself. He was already a big megastar before the dress. Or Martin, uh, is for, as an example, in, in, in a lot of cases. What I, what I mean is that it, it doesn't necessarily follow. I just think that wearing a dress is like the cheapest form of uh, comedy. You, you, you uh, and, and I, I don't mean it in a derogatory way, but it's an easy form of comedy that gets used a lot, uh, you know, to to get, like, quick laughs. So you even see that in Zimbabwe, uh, where comedians have worn dresses and and that kind of thing. And so I know there's ways in which Hollywood will emasculate a lot of black male uh, performers, but I also know that there's ways in which the business community will silently build up consortiums and make power moves and build themselves into much bigger entities and platforms. And I don't think the route, I don't think the Cat Williams route is the way that that they're going to win that particular um, equation. Um, there is a way of getting power differently. Um, what this does, it, it just takes the whole movement back, including his. So it doesn't set him uh, apart from everyone. Uh, because I, I think if it's a question that, There are certain practices, uh, for example, uh, from a comedy perspective. I've sat down with comics in Zimbabwe and I've said, hey guys, maybe we need to avoid doing X, Y, Z. And then we avoided doing X, Y, Z and it paid off. Uh, For example, political comedy. Like, just stay away from the political comedy. Let's just go entertainment and the comedy industry grew. It's not something that we had to go out and say, that oh there's NGO money in this whatever and you know we could have done that but there's ways of doing it in business that you don't necessarily um, have to be um, I think out there in that manner um, that that's just my thought I would approach it differently if I knew Kevin Hart I would be talking to Kevin Hart about these issues uh, if I had an issue with uh, you know I would be talking to those. To those guys about those, those issues. But I, I wouldn't make this uh, a fight. I, I think Cat Williams is too big a comic uh, to be on those kind of platforms saying the kind of stuff that he was, he was saying. We've we heard it before anyway. My question is to what end and how are we solving it? Are we just talking about it for the sake of talking about it? I didn't quite hear how we changed this narrative. How we fix this. I don't hear any of that. So if, if, it, if it was a case of trying to fix it, bo, it's okay. But if it's just just exposing stuff, that, you know what? You can get the views by doing that. All of us can sit in front of the camera. I can tell you stuff about this industry uh, that will get me millions and millions of views. But is that the best way of sorting out the things? I know like right now, you can go online. There's Zimbabweans who say positive things about the country. And there's Zimbabweans that say negative things. Do we go and fight the people who are saying negative things? No. Sometimes we just do positive things out there to try and sway people slowly but surely and just make sure that, you know, there are people paid to say good things and people paid to say bad things. Uh, but we we don't know, you know, the, the only thing that we have to do is the ones who execute and fix things silently. I think those are the ones that I tend to gravitate to, listen to, uh, follow, because, at least I know what to do about it. Unfortunately, from the CAT interview, it just left me with more questions, no solution, uh, with a whole bunch of information that I think I'd assumed and knew that that's what it was anyway. So it didn't help me.
0: I guess, I mean, like, one would say your brain is wired to to provide the solution, but I guess I come from perspective of the, uh, when I watched a lot of it, uh, a lot of it i you know, was, uh, I don't think much surprised me and no, there's no stuff that I, uh, I don't know. But essentially, the the question I asked was, what has broken down in the relationship with this? Because I was looking, at, there's a movie called School Dance in which uh, I think, uh, what's his name, Cat Williams is in there, Mark Epps is in there, um, what's his name, Kevin Hart is in there. and what, has, what is it that has happened between that moment and where people are right now? And it, it takes me back to yeah. something that Pete Rock, um, from Pete Rock and CL Smooth when he's talking about hip hop nowadays. And it's, you know, and I think it, I can make an elastic argument from this, that the reason why you find there's, a, there's a, almost a disconnect between hip hop in the hip hop community in, in the States for, at least, is because the focus is now on the bag, on the money and, and yes. a lot of those other things. Um, yeah. Almost like pre, pre, trying to please the person who pays the bills. Um, right. And yet, maybe guys like like Kevin Hart, has, not, not Kevin Hart, Cat Williams is still from the old school where they believe these, yeah. in these old relationships that existed. And they, I guess the question would then be, did he, the, as I said, I don't even know what he's thinking. This is me trying to build on what you said. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's a case of, look, I maybe can't get into these places anymore. Or secondly, I don't want to get into these places because you said I do a hundred um, city tours Um, whatever the case was be and I looked last year he had a big big tour last year so I mean yeah the questions. there are a lot of questions here and I mean it's been even shown by the behavior of the American consumer that they're beginning to switch off the big big platforms Louis CK is an example of somebody who's decided to take all his material and put it on his website and then now right. he's been making money off content just off his website, and people paying him, even though he, even if he gets fifty thousand people to pay ten dollars each, that's half half a million. Whereas if it's a special on a yeah. platform, unless he gets that fifty million dollar deal, it's not really making that much. He's not making that much money. So maybe mm. in the grander cost of things, how Kanye got himself kept yeah, out of the Lot of deals and now he's saying that you know i own all my masters i now own a lot of my freedom and so forth and i and i saw a lot of that in what cat williams is saying maybe the way I articulated it wasn't as great as it mm. should have been but he spoke a lot about independence and a lot of the and this is something that i'm thinking about it after you've you've brought it up because i'm trying to think what was it yeah. that was coming up in there in that i he talked yeah. about for example saying that look if you, want to be, if you want to be wealthy, it's more about relationships you have with people rather than the money you have. So a lot of it yeah. seems to come from that perspective. That, it, And also, I think you get to a certain point as you're older of disillusionment with the industry. That could be where he's coming from. That, you know...
1: Yeah, I... I yeah. It, it, it could be... Yeah, I... I, I that...
0: Sorry, carry on.
1: Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I, I was going to say, like, you're, you're right 100%. What, what you have to realize is that, remember, we, uh, I, I think what people need to know, and, and this is very, very important for the public to know, is that when we are in an industry, we tow a certain line um, because there are industry norms. Uh, some are very toxic, some are good, and some are just downright bizarre, right? But there's, a, there's a ways in which the industries are, are, are set up. You know, um, and, and wh- what happens is whenever there's control, the control becomes greater and greater. And the quest for independence, uh, what happens is that it starts to shatter the systems. That's why, that's why they call it disruption. Because even for Apple to come up with the iPhone when Nokia was ruling the roost, there was just a way in which the industry was set up in terms of, you know. And so I, I just think that if we are going to do these exposés for instance it usually helps if we just stick to the facts and you know uh, uh, it's 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 a, it's very difficult for me actually just explaining it from a comedy perspective because there are just certain things that you know that yeah this is downright not not true you can you can't say you can't say who has ever seen a a sold out Kevin Hart show or standing ovations because we know Kevin Hart was is he hilarious and he 's not famous by mistake we don 't sit at home we 're not mindless people who just like what we like. Um, you know uh, at the end of the day, quality um, is going to is going to rule, and then marketing is going to make a grip on on the market itself. So like I said, he told a lot of truth, but my issue was to what to, to to what end. Uh, I just look at it psychologically to say what exactly happened, because it, it really, we, we can't just look at it and just say, after 20 years, you're just going to sit for two and a half hours. Dude, that's almost the length of Lord of the Rings, eh? And it's, it's it, uh, I, I just look at the background and I say, listen, for someone who was once in this industry, and you understand this industry, you understand how it works, why is it, Okay, why is it bothering you if somebody else has taken that, that route? If if that's the route they've taken, it's okay. If you don't want to take the route, you go your own way. It's not it's not like you have to be involved in the way that they are making money. If that's the way you're saying they make their money. Um, so I didn't understand what the motivation was because it just seemed like a lot of slap bang and just firing in different angles. One minute you're talking about Haddish, you're switching two seconds into another conversation about someone else and then you're you're throwing an idea... You're, you're kind of doing the Meghan Markle thing of saying, oh, racism. Then Oprah says, gospel. Gasp, and you say, oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then acting like, oh, I, I just dropped something. It, it just, you know, and, and it, it's kind of falling on the anniversary of, of uh, Prince Harry's book. Uh, so I mean, he may put every year at the same time. I mean, <laughs> who knows
0: maybe it's trying to hide people from the jeffrey epstein list you never know because it dropped (laughs) on the same day so it's like whoa right but i mean look i i get a lot of your points and i i i mean i guess i segment people into some people are good at finding the fault and then some people are good at then fixing the issues because i sometimes i say this the person who finds the fault is not necessarily the same person who fixes the issue it's the question of yeah. What what is it? Because as I said, I mean, like he he did talk about gatekeepers. That's why I I'm, yeah. it, I'm remembering some of these things in bits now. It's it's two hours and forty six minutes. So there's a lot of things that happen in yeah. there. Yeah. So <laughs> so, so, so I, mean, I remember that in um, in the, he talked about the issue of gatekeepers and how that was problematic and so forth and the mm-hmm. the fact that he did mention that the black community needs to create its own black gatekeepers. So I think in that, maybe those are small solutions, but I don't know how that works. Yeah, the, uh, so that's the interesting uh, and then he, thing. So that's
1: the interesting thing about that point.
0: Just, just missing, finishing off a point, yeah, because, yeah. because before yeah. just before that, then he mentioned, he had just talked about, uh, what's his name, Joe Rogan and... You talked about Gary Owen as well and how Gary Owen, you know, had, had issues with, with, with transference and so forth. So, I, I mean, I, I understand, I, I'm more curious now uh, having, maybe I'll have it a, a rewatch cause I think I'll get a more nuanced approach. For me, it was almost like, Whoa, it was almost like watching a Dave, Dave Chappelle special really <laughs> than anything else. Cause yeah. I have no, yeah. I have no horse. I don't, no, I, I watch all those comics. I don't really care if they did nefarious, weird things in order to get themselves into, into those positions. But then the question then becomes also if that is the case that some of them, because Gary Owens comes out and said, I was in a situation where I was offered a deal and Gary Owens is a white comic and who was given compliments by um, by, what's his name? by Cat Williams, and it says, I was in a situation where I was in this office and this guy was an executive, was essentially insinuating that I had to have sex with him in order to be able to get a job. And then I decided not to. And then, so the question becomes, is there now pay for play that's happening within Hollywood? And how much is that happening? I guess those are the bigger discussions that other people should have and maybe this is what ignites those discussions as opposed to be the be-all-and-end-all of the discussion. Sorry, you wanted to say something.
1: Yeah, no, no. I, yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. I think, I think for, for us, and I'll just cynically say, listen, welcome to the world of women in entertainment. This is exactly what they've been going through for a long time. I think there's a lot more outrage since it's just like guys being talked about. But it, it, it's very weird because ultimately... Um, the entertainment sector is very, very, uh, corrupt. Like, you ask yourself, why do hip hop videos have more girls that are twerking in the videos and, you know, that kind of thing? Why are the songs written like that? Why is it just girl artists who are like that? Or why is it that the female artists don't have any clothes on and all the, the guys have baggy clothes on? You know, you, you but like I'm saying, it's, it's, it's a thing in the sector, but we, we can go and then start rubbishing everybody in the sector and putting them into because you can't just come and say i've got receipts and and we i want to see the receipts right you can't say a name and you say a person is doing a ritual to get to where they are and you don't you don't show us the actual proof when you say you've got receipts are you saying that you were in the room when someone was asked to wear a dress in order for their career to be big um you know th- these are the things that I'm just wondering to what end what what is this because yes we know that the industry does have gatekeepers every industry has gatekeepers it's like the minute you hear there's an association or a union or something or there's a big player somewhere just understand that for example Uh, If you're against the status quo, there's only a certain number. Remember that in Zimbabwe, even when we started uh, stand-up comedy, there's uh, broadcast stations would not have us on the broadcast station because we're not towing a specific line. And uh, uh, yes, we can talk about it. I I get it. But I'm saying, to what end? Um, Because everybody knows that this is actually happening. And what I'm saying is the things that he described... Is what women go through actually maybe 50 times worse than men? Maybe that was a conversation I would have liked to to hear. Uh, you know, uh, because the guys are like, oh, I may have, might have been in a situation. But I'm like, man, there were dudes who were forcing themselves onto women in order to get the parts." So, uh, I, I don't know. We, we were shocked and outraged, yes. But you know what? I think women have had it much worse in the industry. It's a conversation that I would like to start from, from that perspective. But in as much as building a black industry, I don't believe pulling each other down on that level is productive in any way. You you, you could expose the issues, but I don't think that was the right way to go about it. But But like you said, some people are good at exposing it. He did very well. I think what's going to be important right now is going to be I feel like um, what Cat Williams did was like the Will Smith slap. Now we're going to wait for the comics to make the material, turn it into some comedy, um, keep advancing black comedy forward, keep telling the stories that they're doing, keep growing the comedy. Uh, A lot of these guys who are in comedy, I've studied extensively. I've worked with people who have worked with some of the names that have been mentioned. I... I I just found that very bizarre as an industry that it wasn't our best foot forward.
0: Okay, just to finish off on that point, but I think the question I would ask more less than a lot of this is is to say, I mean, I would be uncomfortable if um, Cat Williams felt he was the one to comment on or what women have been going through to, through the industry, I think very little is said about about men being abused in any circumstances. And this is not to compare yeah, the two in true. any way. I the statistics yeah. around men being victims of gender violence are high, but most men are never going yeah. to going to complain to the cops because you're seen as not being a man enough, or whatever the case may be and international um men's day has given given out the states stats that men become more suicidal when they are abused uh because they don't know how yeah. to 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 deal with these issues and they self-medicate through alcohol and drug abuse so i don't think we it's fair to say that women have gone uh through a lot of those things to negate that men a lot of men have gone through the same sort of circumstances, and because it's never talked about, um, those. Yeah, men no, no, no.
1: I, I agree. No, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I didn't in any way wanted to insinuate that. I think. I think it was just. Um, no, no. Uh, but I mean, it's, 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 I, I suppose the issue with cat just makes people heated. I, I, I didn't in any way want to uh, give that impression uh, at all. If I did, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that.
0: Oh, good. So, because, so, so that's just, that's just, that was just to 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 tail off that, but but uh, ultimately end of the day i think for me like i said the in the context i think even with this discussion we've already talked about uh, the 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 union of black uh, people uh coming together uh, and sometimes not co- not coming together and so forth uh, where capitalism has gotten to the way of people talking to each other in in ways that they wouldn't talk to each other before, because before there wasn't a lot of money around. Uh, but when the capitalists yeah. come in and they say, hey, we're going to give this person a bigger deal, you're like, no, I put that guy on. Maybe a lot of jealousy may come into this. I don't know if there's any jealousy that's involved. So the question, maybe the final question on this particular topic is that, uh, is, is there not then the the, the question, because I even though he was insulted in that particular interview, I have I've a lot of respect for for um, Tyler Perry for having set up his own studio and the stories he tells. And some people say he always tells the same story. And it's like, no, he's telling, if, if, if the criticism of Tyler Perry is unfair, because it's almost as if they expect Tyler Perry to tell the story of every black person. But if you look at every every um, if you if, if you if you look at white um, directors, whether they're um, Irish, whether they are you know of, of of Italian origin, they get they they could. Be, Martin Scorsese has been making pretty much the same type of movies for decades, the the mafia type movies and so forth. But no one says, why doesn't Martin Scorsese do a comedy? Why doesn't Martin Scorsese do a movie about the plight of this community or that community? So I think the criticism of someone like Tyler Perry comes to me across as the expectation that the first successful black person has got to fix it for everyone. But then Tyler Perry... When he realized that his movies would not get into Hollywood the way he wanted to get to, he went and created his own movie studio. Um, could this, uh, because from the same thing that you talk about, that there's a, a, a limited number of media companies that are running a lot of the 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 entertainment in the US and and, and in huge parts of the world. Then yep. isn't isn't this in an a in a less articulate way, uh, an opportunity to, I know, like I said, everybody's going to focus on Cat Williams did this and say this and this is so wrong. But should it be the status quo must remain? Or is it now for some people to say, look, I'm going to do my specials at Tyler Perry's now. Let's give that as an example. Or a couple of, yeah. These comedians were very wealthy from your, from your, uh, you know, the, the old school comedians uh, Cedric and all those people were not very wealthy. We're going to put a conglomerate together to say, okay, we're going to have this thing. And this is not to say that they have to. People that make their own individual decisions. This is not me saying that this could be should be a kumbaya moment, so to speak. But it, do you think that in a way if people had that conversation it, i mean if they looked at some of the things that they say from that perspective that conversation could be had or is it because of the that the, the, is it now that because there's so much the uh, there was so much attacking of individuals in that particular in uh, interview that no one talks about those issues
1: yeah so so i you know i i'm i'm going to go to a disclaimer and this is something that has been characteristic of my relationship with you throughout, from the time I've met you, is that I, I think you have always formed and shaped my perspectives on things. So when I, especially like when I'm conflicted in my mind about a lot of things, I, I when I have a conversation with you, it's always a very teachable uh, sort of uh, moment because I get to have these discussions without many emotions, and then my 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 brain then you know tends to focus on. On, okay, this is the outcome of this conversation. So I'm very grateful for this conversation for um, what I'm about to say. Um, so when we started, I had a view of what Kat had done and I had a lot of uh, things that I uh, pointed out and stuff like that. But I'm finding myself realizing in your Tyler Perry example that this is exactly what it is. So Kat, Kat Williams basically is saying, Tyler Perry uh, wears a dress and that's why he's a billionaire today. So I'm like, okay, that, that's okay. Someone can reveal that information and that's fine. But from a Tyler Perry perspective, I would be like, you know what? To the guys that are working together and, uh, you know, uh, just keeping their noses down, whether they are going to reveal how they got there or not is another issue Uh, because I think Cat Williams spoke on behalf of people that were not there to defend themselves on how they got successful. So... Uh, I, I would just say that those that are continuing to build will continue to build. And, and I don't think it changes anything. And I think the, the comics do work as a collective. A lot of the black American comics do work as a collective. Um, in as much as people talk about how much Cat Williams pays for his tours and that kind of thing, uh, Kevin Hart gives the people that he works with entire movies, uh, and entire platforms and so on. You know, the same can be argued. Um, so I, I think to each his own, people have different ways of building. People have different ways of parenting in terms of how they build the, the industry. So, you know, what Cat Williams does is good for the culture. It's like how Tupac and Biggie. Um, so, so I, I, I've come to the realization that actually both perspectives are, are okay and they are good. And what, what Cat Williams has done is good for the culture. But what Cat Williams has done is not the culture. So it, it should not be mistaken as being that's the way we are. Um, so we will continue with the BET, with the BET Awards, and the you know wh- whatever is happening on the Black front, that's good. But I, I, I hope that we will also get to the point where we're celebrating each other like the Golden Globes. We know that there's issues happening amongst that white community and the foreign press and whatever, but... It happens, yes, and like they they continue building, they continue building the quality, they continue building their platforms, and we must just continue to do the same, regardless of whether we fight. And I think fighting is a good thing. Exposing each other is a good thing as well. Uh, we just wait to see how the other comics um, respond. Uh, but I I I I firmly believe that they will continue working hard in their various camps the way that they work, regardless of what Cat Williams may or may may not have said.
0: I'm just going to say they're probably going to... St- we're going to probably find it like six weeks. Oh, they're working together on something. I don't know. <laughs> because I know people yeah. who've had beef yeah. and you're like, uh-uh, better. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> like, we're going to do a tour to say,
0: that we put, we're coming together tour. This is how the people should be and so exactly. forth. So, so, yeah, I mean, look... Yeah Uh, all I just said
1: beefs beefs exist I I, you know I'm I'm not one who's not characteristically always in a beef Um, you know uh, being a comic that's what happens it's very heated we have strong opinions we have you know we bottle up opinions then we put them into jokes so sometimes the bottling up does erupt in these in these forms Uh, I certainly hope for for cats it's not something that resulted from something bad that has happened Um, I I just I'm just worried about that aspect of things
0: yeah, very important. And hey, oh, hell Dave Chappelle? I mean, another special, another another. The man just keeps knocking them out of the park, doesn't he?
1: Oh, he he came out he came out guns blazing. Like, do you know there was a point I had my mouth, I like my jaw, I I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Like, and before I knew it, the the special was over. Like, it, it's insane, and and such a such a beautiful way to cap it off. Anyway. Um yeah. You know, uh, mm. such an aptly, aptly named, um, special. And it was nice again that he shared some insights into the industry and where he started. That's also very good
0: yeah and be a dreamer and i'm in your dream too i'm like yo yeah. like this is not just about dave yeah. chappelle but i'm like yeah carl what, what you up to the what you up to in the next couple of uh weeks because we're gonna have another chat because we need a special a podcast yeah. to talk about uh rural airbnb
1: uh, other things yeah <laughs> exactly no we, we, we're in bulawayo in our hometown um doing some consultancies for the first half of the year um, we just wanted to be close enough to, to finish off our building in, in Victoria Falls. Um, uh, and then, yeah, just preparing to do kind of a last hurrah set of tours, comedy, you know, get some stuff off my chest. Uh, hoping that when certain jobs then come up later in the year, <laughs> <laughs> if it does work out, <laughs> let's put it out there. We are dreamers, just like Dave <laughs> we, we dream We dream of being civil servants.
0: Yes, uh, and so yes. You, so no Cat William Williams moments coming anytime soon from you.
1: <laughs> oh no 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 yeah 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 not uh, yeah Ooh, yeah. I was yeah. actually hitting up my South African comedy friends to ask, hey guys, who's going to be spilling the beans? I want to hear the beans. Who's who's gonna who's <laughs> gonna tell us some Trevor Noah inside or Lois O Gola or Ndumiso Lindi inside jokes or basketball? You know.
0: Yeah, Cat. Uh, I was going to call you Cat. Williams. The uh, obviously it's be everywhere. Confirm. Like in terms of your socials, and then also you know, you've got you've got a book. Tell us about the book.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we I, I wrote um, a starting from scratch, which was, well, basically, uh, you know, because I've been building a startup from, from scratch, I've been trying to write the proper course in which a startup should happen until it reaches, say, for example, a billion dollar company. And so I, I wrote a manual for myself, which I've been following. And then I found that, oh, it's working out actually quite well. So Put some articles together and then you know published it as a book called Starting from Scratch. So pretty excited about that. Plus, Chikafu Twenty uh, Twenty, Twenty Twenty Four, two hundred recipes also out. So uh, yeah, so people can save money by cooking my recipes.
0: And uh, where do, where do people get those books?
1: Okay, so again on all of my social uh, platforms, uh, you'll find my WhatsApp uh, number on there, or you can WhatsApp zero seven seven. Four two eight zero eight one one, and just uh yeah request the details for the
0: books. Okay so make sure you follow him all the the the, the 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 platforms. Dude we went from talking about building communities to Cat Williams and the craziness and so forth. It's been a wonderful conversation.
1: Cancel? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Remember remember my request if you get the job Haifa's gonna yes, come yeah. back eh? <laughs>
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Carjoshan, uh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thank
1: you so much, Larry. Really appreciate it. Cheers. And that's it for this week's episode. Add us to your podcatcher or on iTunes now, so that you can make sure you never miss out on another second of our wonderful podcast. We would hate for you to miss out. Have a great week, everyone. Hey, you're listening to Career Talks with Larry Currie.